Welcome to No No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women. the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and that shit crazy. Hey, Rose. Hi. (laughs) This is take two, y'all. You hear the little thing go, the little snappy thing. (laughs) Because <laughs> we just recorded. Yeah, and, and then I got a little mishap. I spilled some soy sauce on my computer. <laughs> and it got a little sticky. The mouse pad got a little sticky, so I tried to wipe it off. And then I it accidentally so hit X. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to save? I was like, no. no I don't want to save it. So Deleted Lynn's entire story. Yeah, so you are good. You guys are don't know it, but you're going to hear it hear about Betty Lou Bates all over again. <laughs> so we're going to start rolling here. I assume you've had a good week, Rose. Yeah, me too. Are ready to go? <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Go. Good. Yeah, good, good, good. Shut up. Let's go. <laughs> because we're almost out of alcohol. So it's no secret. Yeah, right. Because at a certain point, I'm going to go upstairs and just steal it from my sister. So <laughs> not steal, borrow. I'll give it back. Um, all right. Anyway, let's go ahead. So I'm going to tell you today, Rose, about Betty Lou Beats. Really? I've never heard that name. Never, never, ever. <laughs> Betty Lou Beats was born Betty Lou Donovant. Donovan, I you know I learned how to pronounce it before the last meeting. I don't know how to pronounce it. Now. <laughs> On March too long. Nineteen thirty-seven in Roxborough, North Carolina, not Roxbury, as another podcaster said. She was the second oldest to four children. She lost her hearing when she was three from having a high prolonged fever caused by measles. This made her life very difficult as she was teased and picked on in school, and she would. She wouldn't get hearing aids uh, until she was in her 40s. I guess she decided to be easier to be picked on than to... Well, actually, I feel like she probably felt like she'd be picked on more if she got hearing aids. Well, I'm sure she couldn't afford it. Hearing aids are like $10,000. How do you know, Rose? What? Because I work at a retirement community. Oh, that's true. (laughs) They're seriously like $10,000 a piece. Are they really? Are they cheaper? I don't know. I don't know that they sell hearing aids in Mexico. I think that's boob jobs. Is it boob jobs? I thought it was braces. Braces are cheaper in Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably boob jobs, too. I use cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) For your braces? For the pain. (laughs) Like, I'm at the Mexico. But speaking of Mexico, Rose, we didn't even talk about our cocktail. Oh, yeah. So I made it. We don't have any left. (laughs) We don't have any left. It's called the Passion Fruit Margarita. It's... Amazing. So you got to make this again. It's, it's so good. good. So it's passion fruit juice because leftover from last week. I wanted to use it because we don't want to wasty, wasty. And tequila, Cointreau, lime juice. And it called for honey, but I added agave nectar instead, which I, agave and tequila. Did you just have that on hand? Yeah, I always have agave. Really? Agave is really good for you. It's not, um, it's like you can use it and substitute a sugar, but your body processes it better than sugar. Really it's a sweetener, yeah. It's it's because it's it's a natural product, so your body processes it better than does, like raw sugar. Yeah. Anyway, I use it in recipes and stuff. So, and then I rimmed it. I gave it a rim, rim job with <laughs> with salt, brown sugar, and tangine. I think is the way it's pronounced. The spicy. Mixed up. So it's a super delicious, yummy, yummy it, to my yummy drink. Really 
probably the best one it's, I've ever it's had. Close. It's pretty good. Like I'm quite disappointed as I look at the mason jar. I'm like, God damn it. I know. I still have quite a bit of my drinks. I have enough to make more at home. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> For me and Penelope to have So, okay. So now I'm going to back to my, back to my party. Back to my, my story. <laughs> There's a party in a pants and it never <laughs> Anyway, um, she was born in Roxboro, North Carolina. She was the second oldest to four children. Um, I already told you that. God, I'm gonna tell you again. Damn it, Rose. The family you don't know what she told the me. Family uh was sharecrop tobacco farmers and very poor. They lived in a shed with no running water or electricity. Her father was a raging alcoholic, which as we both know, we would be too if we lived in a, <laughs> in a shed, with, shed with a zillion kids. With four kids. I'm I'm getting close to being an alcoholic when, yeah. uh, you know, 2,000 square foot house with three kids. So. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. I'm getting ready to be an alcoholic in a two by four room. Road. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. After the second recording. <laughs> When she was five, her family moved to Danville, Virginia. Whoop, whoop, Virginia. Virginia. The big old V. Anyway, yeah. So not far from us. And her parents worked in the cotton mills. She had three siblings, one older brother and a younger brother and a younger sister. Soon after, while she was still five years old, she said her father and other men close to the family sexually abused her. So when I, the different things that I listened to and watched about this. um, So basically... She says that she thinks it was her father, but it's like she remembers being sexually abused and she remembers it being more than one person, but she's kind of blacked it out and doesn't yeah. remember exactly who it was, Yeah, which is terribly sad. I mean, I mean, I guess your body is blocking that out for a reason. So yeah, I do wonder, like, if it was her father, though, wouldn't he continue doing it? Like, I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I just I like it's probably hard to yeah. delve into that right yeah body blocks it out mm-hmm. to protect you but i mean anyway so who wants um, to bring that back up yeah when she was 12 years old her mother was institutionalized which led her to having to care for her younger siblings who were four and two now i would also be institutionalized if i had four kids <laughs> well and if you were 12 and having to raise a four and a two-year-old yeah i mean that's like the no well that's my a sister lot. was 12 and basically raising Four kids. A two and a, you know, zero-year-old. Zero-year-old. <laughs> zero-year-old. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, also, with her mother being gone, this left her vulnerable to her abusers. Uh, in 1952, when Betty Lou was just 15 years old, she married Robert Franklin Branson. So, was she con- did she continue to be abused all those years? Or well, did she it, not? It didn't go on to talk about okay, it. All right. I left in the fact that I left in. I put in the fact that she was vulnerable to her abusers because she's 12 years old. Her mother's gone. She's caring for her right, kids. Yeah. So now her abusers don't have anyone to entertain. Right, right. Um, so when she was 15, she married Robert Franklin Branson. The next year, when she was just 16, they had their first child, a daughter named Faye. Betty Lou claimed her husband was abusive from the beginning of their relationship. So they separated. She was feeling defeated and alone, and she attempted suicide. Soon after, the couple reconnected and moved to Texas. So I guess the suicide attempt made him, like, you know, sympathize with her, and things got 
better as they moved to Texas, which is probably not a good idea. Um, they ended up having, you ready for this, Rose? Yeah. Five more children. Oh, my God. Five more. That's a whole handful of fingers. That's a whole lot of kids. That's including the four they already had. Oh, my five God. More. They had five yeah. more. Five more. I would say they had five kids. Oh, my God. That's nine children. Yeah. They stayed together for about 18 years. Their relationship ended in 1969 when Robert left Betty Lou. Life was tough for Betty Lou after the divorce because she had a ton of kids and no career experience. In order to get a good job, yeah. she left school at the age of 15. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she did a really good job at that, by the way. And the other thing keeping her from getting a job is she had a hearing loss, and now from the hearing loss, a speech impediment. Oh, so geez. these things were went against her. So back in this period of time, you know, there was no like, uh, what's it called? Um, the like disability. Yeah, the act ADA. Or whatever. There wasn't the ADA. ADA yeah. So she was like, you know, people are like, oh, you can't hear. Sorry, you can't work here. Right. Yeah. Period. Yo, you can't. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So she was working up to three jobs at a time to make ends meet. Robert would stop by once in a while, throw a 50 on the table and be like, here you go, babe. I got some money for you. Whatever. <laughs> it was not enough. And it was not regularly enough. Yeah. To help with the kids. $50 isn't good for nine kids? No, not really. <laughs> you can't even do Taco Bell in the 40s of that. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Betty Lou didn't drink ever in her life until after her divorce. Um, and I, I can say I don't blame her. Uh her daughter remembers what a good mother she was before the divorce. She never laid a hand on the children, and she had such good memories of her childhood. So I watched a documentary on Netflix, and it talked about um, it was her daughter. And it talked about how much she talked about all the incidents, all the things that happened. And she was like, my mom was such a good mother before the divorce. She so was sad. like a dedicated yeah. mother. She loved her kids. She loved her husband. And you know, at a certain point, you know, and I like, I wonder, did she hide the abuse from the kids? Because she's just like, oh, I'm sure she did. Yeah. Great childhood. They yeah. had before the divorce. So I wonder how much she like hid it. From I'm that sure she did. If she was, if they, why is the person always on the mother? Why? I don't know. It's bullshit. I often wonder that. So at some point during this time, the kids, a lot of the kids left home. Faye got married at the age of 15 the oldest, Betty Lou shipped off the other kids to family and to Robert, the dad. She only had her youngest daughter left with her. In 1970, Betty Lou married Billy York Lane. It wasn't long before this relationship turned abusive as well. Within three months of getting married, Betty Lou got a restraining order on Billy. Jeez. They ended up divorcing the same year they were married. I was like, that's oh, not... I got her now, so I'm going to beat the shit out of her. Yeah. But I feel like he probably was beating the shit out of her before, and she might have thought it would change. To me, to be in a, like, in a life where you're, like, in constant turmoil like that. I don't. You know, I mean, I've been in, in periods of my life like that, probably up until I was, you know, 20, until my, I divorced my first husband. And just that constant, I mean, you know what it's like. Yeah, that no, constant absolutely. turmoil. It's just like. It's and you will you so survive and live with it. You just keep going and going and going and making it better and well, yeah. making it appear better, right? And you it's almost exhausting. you almost don't you almost don't identify that you're in it, right? No, one hundred percent. Yeah. So 
a quick story. When I was in my first marriage and in the midst of physical abuse, I used to watch, this is back when Oprah and Dr. Phil were on, and I love that, and I wasn't working, and I would watch Oprah and Dr. Phil every day, and Oprah had some women on there who were abused, and I was like watching them, I'm like, just leave, girl, what are you doing? Like, I was, yeah. just, you know. And you were in the same exact position. I never, I wasn't, I didn't admit it to myself or anyone right. else that I was in that yeah. same exact position, and so I don't find fault on women that don't leave, because- right. Sometimes you're in such denial, you even have yourself believing right. it's not happening. Like my first husband, it was like it was it wasn't physical, it was more emotional. But it's it's so slow. Like a lot of times it's the abuse is so slow that it's like you don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. Like he isolated me and made me like I can remember wanting to go to Walmart, like taking Joseph to Walmart when Joseph was a baby. I'd be like, we're gonna run to Walmart to go get groceries and it he'd be like oh yeah you're probably gonna go see your boyfriend and it'd be such a hassle for me that i just wouldn't i'd be like okay just come with us or i wouldn't go out to see anyone because it'd be like i'd be well you're a pleaser because you were so young you were like it'd be so much drama in order for me just to go anywhere it'd be like okay i'm not gonna do it yeah yeah, no. Because that and that's what they do to you. They slowly do it until you don't realize that it's you're great. completely isolated. And then when you're out of it, you're like, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah, you look back and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> but you don't realize it when you're no, in it. You don't. You it's don't. You're slow and it's it. yeah. And it's like if somebody could yank you out by the back of your shirt, by the neck of your shirt, and be like, look what you're doing. Right. Like, what the hell? Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. You you just don't you don't realize it. And, and still, I can look at women and be like, why don't you just leave? And then I really think about it. And I'm like, no, you cannot. Like, It's not. It's, it's so difficult. so much more complicated than that. They're being abused. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even if, like you, you were being physically abused. Yeah. Like, you know, mine was like, mine was emotional. Oh, my second marriage was 100% emotional abuse. But I, I don't, like, in the first, the physical abuse, like, how do you not know it? But I just was like, live with it and deny it. Because... I was going to make my my life was great. I was living the. Oh, yeah. And when you're young. Yeah. And when you're young, you're especially like, oh, it's perfect. I'm great. Yeah. And and I'm not going to let anybody be right about this. Damn those doorknobs that keep running into my. Right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So the abuse continued long after the divorce. Unfortunately, the year after the divorce, Betty Lou claimed that Billy broke her nose. The abuse got so bad, one day she went to her 12-year-old daughter and told her where she kept the gun. Her gun, not the gun, her gun. She told her that if she she heard this, you know, one of the altercations again, go get the gun and kill Billy. Just kill him. That's so much to put on a kid. My 12-year-old. Why would you do that? She was like, she was like, she knew that he was going to kill her. So she's like, you have to save my life. And it's like such a shitty way to to your kid right i mean kill him yourself don't put it on your kid (laughs) so the next altercation began and the daughter went and got the gun and held it to billy unfortunately from all the commotion i say unfortunately but maybe fortunately uh, according with all the commotion billy's son the daughter's stepbrother heard the commotion and came up and took the gun away from her so the year after that Betty Lou claimed that Billy tried to kill her, she had enough. She shot Billy twice in the back. She's just like, I'm done. Boom, done. So 
her daughter talked about in this um, documentary I watched that she heard this noise and looked out her bedroom window and she looks down and in the front yard, he's laying there. Yeah. And she's like, why is Billy laying in the front yard? Like she wasn't even thinking. Right, that she had shot him. She had shot him. Yeah. And for a child to process. And so her mother goes down, her, she goes downstairs. She's like, mom, what happened? Why is Billy laying in the yard? And she's like, don't worry about it. Don't look out your window again. Go back to bed. So the police came to the house. Betty Lou was arrested and charged with attempted murder. Just before she was ready to go to trial, Billy admitted to the prosecutor that he had threatened her life. So the charges were dropped and she was charged with a less, she was charged with something, um, a smaller, a lesser charge and only had to pay a $100 fine and a $50 court cost. So that's what she got charged for. I can't remember what it was, but um, so I guess this just made them hot and sexy again because Betty Lou and Billy got remarried, girl. Oh, my God. However, the second marriage only lasted about a month. <laughs> I'm not I'm not laughing in humor. No, but I know it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, like <laughs> yeah, it's like, so she, he's not changing, girl. He's not changing. Right. And, and you can't blame her. You know what I mean? Like, it's so no, hard to blame her she, because she's lived a life of just pure chaos yeah. since she was born. Yeah. It's all the trauma she's lived it's in her so life. It's so much trauma. Yeah. Crazy yeah. Decision. So they divorced in 1972. Um, just a little note, Billy died in 1982 of natural causes. Good. So they say, nobody says anything differently. As But I'm like, hmm, did he really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a little poisoning, rat poisoning. About a year later, Betty Lou was working in a topless bar and started dating a new man, Ronnie Threkold. The two married in 1973. So just a little side note on this. In the documentary I watched, her daughter was like, I never, my mom... When I found out what my mom was doing for a living, I was shocked. She was like, I never in my life saw my mom naked. It's <laughs> so funny because I'm like, always, I'm still naked in front of my, not my son, obviously, but my daughters. Uh, you know, I just. Are you really? Yeah. Like, I always wonder because, yeah, because I'm always naked in front of my daughters. Yeah. But I always wonder, like, is will that ever change or does it? Well, I mean, I'll get dressed in front of them. I don't walk around the house yeah. naked. Like, Chris doesn't, no longer gets dressed in front of the girls because. Yeah, they're but, at the age where they're like, "What is that?" Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that, that's funny. No, still, I'm. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, but I mean, I t if I have to get dressed, I'll get dressed in front of my daughters. I don't care. Casey and I, one hundred percent. Caitlin's a little more modest, so not so much. But I, I that doesn't care. surprise me so, at all. <laughs> no, I know. So the marriage lasted about five years, but came crumbling down after Betty Lou tried to run Ronnie over with her car. <laughs> Ronnie survived <laughs> the attempted murder, though. During this tumultuous relationship, she even accused her own daughter, Shirley, of having an affair with Ronnie. They were sitting at the kitchen table, minding their own business, and her mother walks in and starts calling her a whore and telling her she knows what she's doing. Oh, my God. It's really sad. So, in 1970, Betty Lou was at it again. She married her fourth husband, Doyle Wayne Baker. This marriage didn't last either, girl. In 1980, Betty Lou was involved. It didn't last. It, sorry. In 1979, Betty Lou was at it again. She married her fourth husband, Doyle Wayne Baker. This marriage didn't last either. Sorry to say. Um, also, in 1980, Betty Lou was involved in a severe car accident and suffered many head injuries. On October, in October, not on October, in October of 1981, Doyle disappeared. As Caitlin used to, oh no, Chris used to say when he was a baby, he disappeared. He disappeared. He disappeared. <laughs> Betty Lou said they That's had a okay. fight and he left. What's weird, Rose, is that he left on foot. According to Betty Lou, he didn't take his truck. 
the family's not a truckers. That does yeah, not that's we're from the south, y'all. People don't get out their truck. No, they, they take the dog and they take the truck and their guns. <laughs> yeah, and and they're, yeah. So that the next day, Betty Lou called her daughter Shirley and told her she had to come over and help Betty Lou bury Doyle's body. Her daughter came over and did what her mother asked. You want to know what's crazy, Rose? What? The hole was already dug. Betty Lou had her ducks in a row, girl. She had a construction company come over the day before and dig a hole because she said she was going to in, she was going to install an in-ground barbecue pit. So then after she, they buried Doyle's body, she had another company come and put a concrete pad on top of it. About eight months later, Betty Lou found Jimmy Don Beats. So I just wonder, like, if you kill someone like that, are you just anxious all the time? About sound it. Like it sounds like she's just jumping from one bed to another. It doesn't sound like it, no. but I feel like if I killed someone, I'd be so anxious about it. Oh my it. god! Like, like oh my god, person. someone's gonna find out. She's not. She's not. I guess you have to have like some kind of mental, I guess, some health break. issues. Yeah, know. some kind of break. So about eight months later, she married Jimmy Don Beats, a retired Dallas Fire Department captain. Betty Lou asked Jimmy to finish up some projects around the house, Rose. She just needed some stuff done. Yeah. So the first project... Jimmy, you better run. <laughs> you better run, Jimmy. Run, <laughs> run, Jimmy. So the first project she wanted was a shed built on that silly concrete <laughs> pad out back to cover up Doyle's body. Why don't you dig a whole wire out there? The next project was for him to build a fake wishing well in the front yard. Okay. Not dig. Like, just place this thing here. And just a little FYI, a little side note, Betty Lou ended up planting flowers around this fake wishing well. I'll tell you when. Um... In August of 1983, three, Betty Lou told her son Robert to leave the house. Boy, you better go because I'm about to kill your stepdad. <laughs> I'm going to kill Jimmy. You need to be here. I don't want oh you to be gosh. here. Just go. Bye-bye. Go. Go. So on August 6, 1983, suddenly Betty Lou was like, oh, what happened to Jimmy? He's missing. I called the police and I don't know what happened. So she said, he left to go night fishing and his boat and he never came home. I don't know where that southern accent's coming from. In reality, she had just shot him twice in the head in 1980. And then... What did she say about the other guys? Did no one come looking for them? Well, Doyle, she said that he just left. Okay. Yeah. So after she murdered Jimmy, she called her son, Robert, back. Now you need to come home, son. I need you to help me bring the body. (laughs) Yeah. And they they took his boat. They pushed it from the shore and just like... They put his heart medicine, a fishing license, and his glasses inside and just pushed it off the shore. So it'd be just floating around. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's when she reported him missing. The police found the boat, and it had Jimmy's glasses, meds, and fishing license, and they asked her to come identify the boat, and she did. The community rallied around her. They're like, oh, poor Betty Lou. Her husband died. They can't find him. This is so tragic. So then she was like, when do I get that money? That insurance money? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Where is that? And it wasn't coming fast enough. So what did she do, Rose? She burned his house down so that's she could get his money from his house. That's what always happened. Well, she got a little too anxious. Yeah, they get anxious. So they- ironically, a confidential informant called the police and reported that Betty Lou had killed Jimmy and his body was buried in her yard. Mm-hmm. So police were like, well, I guess we better go check it out. Imagine that. They did. They checked it out. And they found the remains of Jimmy under the wishing well where... Betty Lou had planted flowers. And her fourth husband, what? So what'd she no, do? Was, move the wishing well and bury him? She moved the wishing well, buried and put the wishing well back. And then guess what they found next, Rose? Doyle. Oh. 
buried under the shed. So both had been shot in the head with the same gun, which they found in the house. Yeah, shocking. Betty Lou was arrested the same day. She told the judge she didn't have anything to do with it. Mm-mm, those murders, I have no idea what happened. Uh, I don't know how they ended up buried in my yard. I just must have tripped and fell in a hole. So the police ended up charging her daughter, Shirley, with collaborating in the oh murder of Doyle. Poor thing. Robert testified against his mother, saying she told him that she was going to kill Jimmy and that he wasn't sure she would actually, actually do it. He's like, my mom would never do something like that. He was shocked. But then, obviously, he knew it happened when he, he went to help carry the body. Yeah. Then he said his mother instructed him on how to dispose of the boat. Shirley also testified, the daughter, that his mother that her mother called her and told her she was going to kill Jimmy as well. So she had called Shirley to have her come help bury the body. But when when Robert came and helped her, she told Shirley, Shirley came over. She's like, no, I don't need you anymore. Robert, help me. Your brother helped me bury that body. Yeah. So. What do you do? Like, when your mom calls you, what do you, I mean, you're not going to call the cops on your mom. I don't know. I'd be like, mom, you're getting involved. Sorry. I Sorry. think I would just, I think I would do it. Like. You would help your mom bury a body? I think I would. Mm, gross. Come on, girl. I don't know. Would you really? I don't think I'd call the cops well, on my mom. It depends on the situation, Rose. I mean, like, If I thought he was abusing her, if, if it was like some nice guy that I was like... No, if it was a, like she did it for some dumb reason, I wouldn't. But I think if... Yeah. I don't know. But, okay. So, anyway, Betty Lou took the stand and blamed her son, Robert, for the murder of Jimmy. She pleaded not guilty and put the blame on her children. Betty Lou's daughter, Faye, the oldest daughter, testified that her mother could never have done this. She remembers her mother as being a kind, sweet, loving would, mother wouldn't have hurt anybody for anything. So the prosecution claimed Betty Lou turned the town into a killing ground. The defense claimed <laughs> it was her son who killed Jimmy, not Betty Lou. The jury deliberated for six hours and found Betty Lou guilty of murder. That night, she had a little bit of a breakdown, Rose, and she was hospitalized. Can't imagine why. I don't know. A few days later, she was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Since she was given the death penalty, they didn't try her for the murder of Doyle. So they were like, yeah, you killed Jimmy. I mean, she's sentenced to death. What are they going to do? Yeah. While she was in jail, she started to talk about how she killed her husbands in self-defense due to being battered, raped, tortured her whole life. Um, so people started saying that she had brain damage from the car accident and repeated abuse and she shouldn't be she shouldn't be put to death because of having battered wife syndrome. She shouldn't be found guilty. Um, there were many organizations trying to help her because she had suffered so much abuse. She did receive a stay for her execution in 1990, but eventually her appeals ran out. Her execution was scheduled for February 24th, 2000. I mean, I might believe the, like, a battered spouse syndrome defense for two husbands, but three, it's like, well, I, I don't know. Planning is what gets me, Rose, the planning. Yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, the so you can plan to kill him. In a crime of passion kind of thing. Right, yeah. So the third one, she didn't really kill, though. We don't know. He died of natural causes, they yeah. said, but I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. So her execution, I said, was scheduled for t February 24th, 2000. That was just right uh, anniversary. That was just right around the corner, right behind us. Hours before 2000? her execution, that was February 24th. Ding dong. It was just oh, the February 24th. Of it, the okay. 23rd okay. 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 day. 2000 was a long time ago then. <laughs> Hours before her execution, she was rejected for an appeal 
for a stay by George Bush and by the Supreme Court. Rose, she didn't order a last meal. No! <gasps> and she didn't make a final statement. I mean... Girl, you can get anything you want. <laughs> anything. Like, why would you not want to die having, like, the best, like, food? I can't, yeah. I feel like in any situation I can eat. So, Betty Lou... Even if I was nervous about dying. Betty Lou was the first... Maybe. Can I t- can I finish? Yeah. I'm going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> Betty, I know, like, the, the amount of food that I would eat, order would be ridiculous. <laughs> no, you're, you're cut off. <laughs> so, I went this, and this, and this, and this, and this. So, Betty Lou was the first woman killed by lethal injection, or the first person sentenced to death, or killed by death, in Texas since the civil, or I'm sorry, the second woman. I was going to say. Since the Civil War. That's, That's crazy, yeah. And so shows you how much, how many crimes women's com- women's yeah, women <laughs> women commit. Women commit. But it's interesting because um, she, the other, there was one other woman um, killed, convicted, you know, like killed by the death penalty, death sentence, uh, death penalty, death penalty, death penalty. Yeah, that's no, right. Can I talk? Because um, <laughs> already <I> said it. <laughs> the fact that. There was a lot of information, like too much information about how her death went. Yeah, I don't like that. And like, like I was like, no, I'm going to leave that. I started, I was like, no, I don't, I don't even want to say that. So it was, it was, there's a lot of information about how yeah. she died and what happened in the last minutes, but I don't need to repeat that. How do you that. feel about the death penalty? I, the, I, I think if I were a, related to a victim. Yeah. I would probably be all for it. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm against it simply for the reason that our court system is not meticulous. Yeah, I think I agree with There's you. There's many people that are that are convicted, yeah. and we see it every day. Right. That are sentenced to the death penalty. On. Right. Prime example. Yeah. Like, what if he was sentenced to death? What if he had been killed? Right. He didn't do it. They yeah. found out later, like, after all this evidence came out, that he absolutely had no, there was no way he did it. And they Maybe. know who did it now. And the West and what Men- if he would have been killed? West Memphis three. I don't know if they were sentenced to death, but no, they weren't sentenced to death. But but still, like but still, like they found out later. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many. I I don't I don't have enough trust in our right. court system exactly. to. That's exactly how I feel. But like. there are stories that I hear mm-hmm. that I'm like, yes, he deserves a death penalty. No, there's plenty. There's plenty. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's plenty of like open and closed. Yeah. Cases. So I'm not. I, I I do have mixed feelings on it. I'm not always against it. I think if I were relative to a relative to a victim, and I knew that it was pretty much beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, like it was. But it would be hard to to like at. Um, I feel like you're taking your. I feel like you're putting too much power into. Right. Yeah. Like I it's agree. it's not like. Is it their time to go? I don't think so. Yeah, you're taking that power. I agree. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not for the death penalty. I'm not for it, but I, there are people that deserve to die because I don't think we should pay for them to live in a right. prison system. But there's so many people that are falsely accused that I don't, I don't think anybody should be put to death unless it's a sure as shit. Like you have them on video, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. Intensely completely 100 percent, without a doubt yeah and that's not it's a very no, yeah it's, it's a very, very yeah subjective kind of 
So I have to apologize for um, talking fast at the end there. I was kind of rushing through because my computer was dying and I didn't want to say was I it? don't need a cord. <laughs> I didn't notice that you were talking fast. So. <laughs> so please, if you listen to this on 1.5, don't do that for the last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I was like getting really nervous and it was and it shut off right at the very I didn't end. notice it. So I'm sure. So at the very I end, I had the name of the other person that was killed. And yeah, um, you did say it last time, but and I didn't. Um, I don't have it anymore. Don't remember because my computer shut off. It's dead. Bye bye. Died. Goodbye. Well, I feel like we've been here for about six hours yeah. now. I saved the last like two sips of my drink. <laughs> I have like a half a sip left. <laughs> but we're gonna take a quick break because I gotta pay. We're gonna take a break. Okay. Welcome back, guys. Hi, guys. We're back. Little, we took a short little break. A little restroom break. A little bio break. Yeah, we didn't get to eat because Lynn Cause we ate, fucked up the Rose first fucked, one. Yeah, I did. I fucked it all up. And now we got to record for 16 hours. Yeah, without any more without any more alcohol. Yeah. Rose. And I promised Shari would be home in time to help her wash her hair. And here we are at 7.05. Okay, well, well, Rose, can you do it in 1.5 speed? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're done. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Was that good for you? <laughs> All right. I'll go ahead and start. This is an interesting one. My mom um, told me about this. Are you talking about your mom? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that okay with you? She doesn't listen. Yeah, that's true. She's a slacker. Um, so my mom told me about, I was asking my mom for like stories because, you know, people have different stories that are like, like impact them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. So she told me about this one, Jane Andrews. Um, and she, well, she told me about like, actually, <laughs> the true story is that I asked my mom for a story that I could do on my podcast. And she said that she hadn't listened in a while because she's been super busy. While she's retired. Um, so then she was like, oh, maybe you should do Auntie Margaret, who was our neighbor who named Joseph. Remember we talked oh, yeah, about yeah, that last yeah. week? And I was like, Mom, <laughs> a little difficult to do her since she doesn't have anything on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> she's actually interviewed live people. That was right. a long time. She's like, well, you can just call people and interview them. And I'm like, yeah. Long, that's a little more. Yeah. yeah. I also have a full-time job and three kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't have time. <laughs> so anyway, she gave me a bunch of other people that I could do. Oh, so um, um, this person was the person that I was like, oh, that's actually very interesting. Okay. Oh. So Jane Andrews was born in Cleethrops, north lincolnshire in 1967 her father worked as a joiner you know what that is uh, it's my ex-husband's name a joiner joiner not a joiner his name is joiner is it uh-huh like his last name his first name his name was joiner yeah no it wasn't uh, yes it was he I had, have never heard of your ex-husband being named Joiner. He had, don't you remember? I'm not going to say his name, but don't you remember his name was was initials? Okay, I can bleep it out. What is it? Are you serious? I have to bleep it out. I will bleep it out. Yeah. So he was born to apparently his great grandfather was born at a church revival in the tent in the church revival yeah. tent, and two men delivered him or helped deliver him, and their names were where the name started from. 
but you're gonna have to wow. pick it out. Yeah, I'll bleep, I'll bleep it all up. Yeah, but you can just you can leave all the story and just yeah, I will because of... that's really weird. Is it? But he wasn't. His name wasn't Joiner. <laughs> his occupation was Joiner. No, that's yeah. I mean, but but that's where people get their name. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. That's that's crazy. So, so what is a joiner? Uh, um, a person who constructs articles by joining pieces of wood. Oh, okay. Um, something to do with like, yeah, something like that. Okay. Wood, yeah. So her mother was a social, and her mother was a social worker. Jane was a smart child who excelled in school, but when she was a teenager, she started she started dealing with a lot of mental health issues, including depression, panic attacks, and an eating disorder. Same girl. Got the eating disorder. Yeah. I have an eating order. <laughs> <laughs> I have an order to eat at all times. I've never had this depression that I've noticed, uh, but um, anxiety, panic attacks, yeah. and an eating disorder. I did have an eating disorder. You know what depression's like because I tell you about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have it by proxy. <laughs> I was like bulimic for a year because um, my mom, my not my mom, my grandmother and my brother used to always tell me how fat I was. Oh no! Yeah, I was. Oh, I used to make myself throw up. I was bulimic. So when she was fifteen, she stopped going to school. And when her mother found out, Jane attempted to take her own life by overdosing. When mm. she was seventeen, she had a surprise pregnancy and decided to have an abortion, which made her mental health issues even worse. What the hell? Hold on one second. Rose has more important business to the neighbor kids at the door. It doesn't look freaky. Ew. <laughs> ghost. That looks so Why scary. The door in the dark. I don't know. At seven o'clock at night. <laughs> I don't know why he's at the door. That's Chris's problem right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris is like running around like with his hair on fire, trying to get the picture. Yeah, wash, and then somebody rings the doorbell. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> well, I told him to wait to just tell Charlotte to wait till I get home to wash her hair because she will freak out if I'm like if I don't oh. do it because I already told her I would. So seeing things seemed to turn around for Jane as she got older. She went to Grimsby College of Art. And she got a, de- a job designing children's clothes at Marks and Spencer. That's a cool job. You know what Marks and Spencer is? No. I oh, okay. Assume, no, I assume it's like a department store. Yeah, it, it basically it just, is. It's, just, it's a cool, yeah. it sounds like a cool job. It is. And when she was 21, she answered an anonymous ad in the magazine for a personal dresser. So she went to the interview, and Sarah, the Duchess of York, interviewed her and hired her on the spot. So Sarah was is Fergie. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, wait. What? Married to Andrew, divorced from Andrew now. Yeah. She so be. that was her, have you ever heard the story? I thought you might have heard it. No, I, no, I have not heard it. But yeah, the Duchess of York. I, I, mean, it was, I think it was more my mom's time. That... I love Fergie. I love Do you? Her. Oh, I think she's a, I think she's pretty cool. Oh, really? Well, because she was always just herself. Yeah. She was silly. You know, like and, Diana. But she was more, no, Diana was still... No, I love Diana. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but she was Diana. Still, like, followed the rules for the most part. And Sarah was like, "No, I'm gonna oh, really." Yeah, she was definitely. She definitely had more of a. She was more outgoing. Okay, Diana was much more intimidated by the royals than Sarah. Yeah, was. and I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna cover in Diana one time. Well, let's preface it by saying, in my opinion. 
and it does say like Fergie was like kind of like Di- Diana where she was like once she divorced Andrew oh, yeah. she was kind of like now there was cast. like I remember very clearly you wouldn't remember this you were too young but there was like she when she and Andrew split up there was like some paparazzi I mean god they were just so horrible to them some paparazzi had pictures of her like sunbathing topless yeah right I did read that thing and I was like go girl I yeah like, I loved it I just thought you know she's like I'm gonna have a good time yeah right everyone, yeah so so Jane's family was very poor. They did not have any money, which is what poor means. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's my face in the, in the dictionary. Yeah. My face is next to it in the dictionary. So when she began working for the Duchess, she was able to live the life she had dreamed of. Uh, that's so cool. She got a nice apartment and a new circle of friends, and she traveled with the Duchess to these amazing places. Oh. And... That sounds so cool. She just, like, felt like she had made it, you know? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So, in 1990, Jane met Christopher Dunn Butler, who also worked for the palace and was 20 years older than her. Oh, my God. It's okay, Rose. The age difference is <laughs> so dramatic. I don't know what is wrong with me tonight, but I'm like... Are recording? <laughs> no. I just... Please double check the recording. I did check because I accidentally clicked on it. Oh, my God. I know. If you delete it again, I'm done. I don't know what's wrong with me today. We will break. (laughs) This podcast is over. (laughs) I am done. I'm living on the floor in a bar. (laughs) So they got married on August of that year of 1990. That marriage only lasted five years because Jane cheated on Christopher multiple times Mm -hmm. during that marriage. Mm -hmm. I'll keep my opinions to myself. What? What are you keeping her happy? And but that's not true. That's not true. I shouldn't say that. I should take that back because that no, she no. That's that was wrong. You have to cut that out. <laughs> you have to it's too long to cut it out. But it's I shouldn't have said that because I say that's shitty because I say that about like he's not making her happy. That's why she yeah. Cheated. That's your but if, your, I, but if that's your abusive, cheats, I'm like yeah. that asshole. The woman couldn't do anymore. That's your so trauma response. Like, trauma response. That's that's very much so, a trauma response. Let me take a moment and take it back. It's okay. You can take it back. I took it back, and I'm sorry for assuming. That that's so funny. For cheating on him. That's very much your trauma response. Because nope. I never thought that in all the writing of this. I never thought that. Uh, no, I, it's, I, know. I know. She still has a lot of therapy. She has a lot of it's all right you're still you're still working on it god in heaven go ahead all right so after her divorce the duchess of york had three hundred and eighty thousand dollars worth of jewelry go missing at the kennedy and international airport and many people blame jane but they eventually found the jewelry in an airport locker and at the home of a 19 year old baggage handler and he was charged for the theft. Um, but they, but a lot of people were like, oh, she definitely did it. Well, airport locker, that tells you a time. There's no airport lockers anymore. Yeah. She then met Dimitri Horn, who was the son of a Greek shipping mag- magnate. Maggot. Magnate. <laughs> magnate. <laughs> maggot. 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 <laughs> they weren't together long before they split, and Jane trashed his apartment. Mm. She once again became very depressed and attempted to take her life. So just an FYI, Greek men are very passionate. Okay. But they're also 
not all Greek men, don't get me wrong. They're very passionate, but they're also, the passions run high. Okay. So I could see there being, you know, if she has a little bit of high passion and he has a little bit of high passion, the relationship becomes very passionate. Yes. Very high passion and volatile. Yeah. So allegedly at this time, she was also having an affair with Count Guado della Guardisho, a Tuscan aristocrat. So Tuscan would be Guido. Guido. It's G-A-D-D-O. I don't know. I feel like it's Guido. Italian is Guido. Well, it's Guado. I don't know. Anyway, it's not important because it's, it's just... a hearth, but we don't call it... We don't even call it a hearth. <laughs> call it a hearth. It is a hearth. Guido. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, the Guido at a Tuscan hearthstone. <laughs> she was let go from her job with the palace around this time, and many speculated that it was because of her affair, but the palace said it was just because they were cutting costs. Oh, bull. I'm sure it was a lot of the drama surrounding her. Doesn't care about cutting costs ever, right? You know. Knows. So even after she was let go from her job as dresser, she would talk obsessively about her life with the Duchess. She'd tell her friends and family all about the hotel she stayed in and the places she visited. And not long after losing her job, her life spiraled, and she began taking antidepressants again, and her hair began to fall out. Oh no! So while she was a dresser, she dyed her hair red, the same color as Fergie's, mm-hmm. and started dressing just like her. And, like, if you see the pictures, it's crazy. Like, they look so much alike, yeah. She kind of took on, like, Fergie's persona because she wanted to be like her, you know? Who wouldn't? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not surprising. Especially being where she came from. Yeah, I like, mean, and not, that's all she wanted, you know? Oh, my God, to live that lifestyle, and, oh, that had to be so amazing for her. So... Her luck changed on New Year's Eve 1998 when she met Thomas Cressman. Both Tom and his par- parents were extremely wealthy, and Jane became immediately infatuated with him. As she should. Tom had a car cover, cover business and a partnership with a Formula One driver, oh, Sir Sterling Moss, who was apparently very popular back then. Sterling? Yeah. Do you know him? No. Oh. his wealth and status would guarantee that jane would live the life she always dreamed of she began working as a pr manager for london's claridge hotel in october of 1999 unfortunately she did not have the experience needed and was fired after two months she then became a shop assistant and wasn't making much money so she became dependent on Tom to fund her social life and pay the mortgage on her apartment. So this one article I read made me laugh a lot because it said, Mr. Cressman also harbored an interest in adventurous sexual fetishes, including bondage, spanking, and an- anal sex. Ew. Which is like, why would they say that? And it's not like, really that adventurous, you know, like, yeah, I don't then, know. Well, that's, I was say back then, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I don't know when this was, when this was, when this article was written, but I guess in 1995, it probably was adventurous. Mm-hmm. Don't think so? No. Not that much. In 1995? No. I mean, I mean, more so, less so than now, but not 
Yeah. I mean, I just... But I mean, talking about it, maybe. British, because they're a little more stuck. Yeah, that's right? true. So... Lynn just likes spanking and anal sex. Lynn likes what? Spanking and anal sex? No. Lynn, nothing. No. You don't? You know, I'm just kind of, I exercise, I try and eat right, and then I... You don't like anal sex? No, Rose. Last time I checked, that was not in my category of check off to like. Hmm. No. I'm really surprised by that. More surprised than that than you knowing about the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> <laughs> you seem very adventurous. <laughs> but you don't like bondage and anal sex? No, Rose. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Jane. Anyway. <laughs> Jane said that Tom was cruel to her and put would put her down all the time. Oh. But she stayed with him because she knew that her own it was her only chance of living the life lavish lifestyle that she craved. No, I've been through that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stay with you. Because <laughs> I want anal. Because <laughs> no, you're the only chance at a lavish lifestyle I have. <laughs> <laughs> For you, sister. <laughs> you better keep on looking. <laughs> Chris thought the same, but eight years later, he's like, hmm. He's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I've been tricked. (laughs) (laughs) So, but Tom, (laughs) so that's Jane's account of the, the relationship. Tom, on the other hand, had told one of his friends that Jane was like, a pair of old slippers that I cannot throw away. Oh, no. So two months leading up to Tom's death, were the happiest ti- their happiest times together. They went house shopping, and she was in heaven because everyone was calling them Mister and Mrs. Cressman. And Tom had said he liked it because he liked the sound of it. So he was saying he didn't want to be with her, but then he was. He, I, I do think he was kind of leading her on oh, okay. a little bit. I've been in relationships much he like that. Go in through the outdoor. That's all. <laughs> you think that was that? He's like, ah, oh, I finally found something in this rude ass country I live in. Yeah, I'll tell her anything she wants to hear. I don't think it's that uncommon. I'm just saying. So, but friends had said that they were one of those couples that would be in love one moment and then like fighting like cats and dogs the next. Mm-hmm. So Jane really wanted to marry Tom, like really, really wanted to marry him. And she gave him an ultimatum. Uh Uh-oh, those never work. Saying he had six months to to ask her to marry him. Obviously, Tom wasn't very interested. Yeah, Tom's like, he just wanted to go out there. And five, you said six months, five months and 29 days. Yeah. The five months and 29 days of anal sex. Yeah. <laughs> she took a shit in all of her head. Her asshole was blown out. She was just pooping everywhere. And he was like, I can't marry you. You're shit everywhere. <laughs> you okay? Rose, did this happen to you? Is that why you're laughing so hard? <laughs> oh my God, then. <laughs> she like goes to pass and spits on him. Walking down the road, walking it through the in the kitchen, she's like cooking dinner and shit on the floor. Oh my like, god! Flapping in the wind. <laughs> Nobody wants a flappy asshole. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think I can go on. <laughs> 
First of all, that's not what happens. <laughs> okay. Just saying. Never oh, my God. <laughs> <coughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Christina to tell me what really happens. <laughs> Every episode has to have a mention of Christina. <laughs> Just to piss her off a little. <laughs> <laughs> Stretch between 64 and, and uh, between uh, Charlottesville and Zion's. It's just so boring. Just give her something to drive off the road over. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably stopped completely listening. Yeah, she might have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway. It's a good thing we taught Yana how to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we literally had to go on Dali Lama Dali Dali Yana's. Um, we had to get the app for her, which I had already downloaded for her last girl <laughs> and told her to listen to a certain podcast. <laughs> She's like, Yeah, I never listened to that. Yeah. We downloaded our podcast, helped her leave a review. We did. We did. Which was BS because Lynn left <laughs> <laughs> It's a great review. It's the one that says how awesome Lynn is. Did I tell you I ran into Lily's boyfriend? No. So our Daliana, her daughter, is dating somebody who lives right around the corner. They live right around the corner from me. And I bumped into him when I was walking Penelope yesterday. Yesterday or today? Yesterday. And um, and I bumped into them during the pandemic. I would go on walks and stop at like Champion or yeah. like that. Just have a drink sometimes just because I had to get out of the house and I was like lonely as fuck. And um, so I bumped into them at, at Champion one time. It's a local brewery if you're not from Charlottesville. And um, we sat and talked for hours. And it was just so nice to see, like, people that I hadn't seen in a while. And so I bumped into him um, when I was on my walk. And I don't we started... talk to anyone for hours. <laughs> yeah, and I was, ta- I was talking to him. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you know, Champion is still open because a lot of their they have a, several businesses in town and they're closing. And he was like, you're still open, so maybe we can meet up there and have some beers. I had such a good time last time. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, wait, you quit drinking, didn't you? And I go, what? Bite your tongue, bitch. I don't know. Who in my family talked to you? But no. (laughs) They're like, don't invite Lynn for a drink. She's going to quit drinking. Friend stopped drinking. It wasn't me. That's so funny. I asked him if he was selling his house to buy Lily a ring. And he was like, but, uh, I'm like, let's her, you know, she's probably got her eye on something pretty expensive. So you're going to have to sell yeah. her property. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty much Lily it. is gorgeous. Oh my God, she's she so is good. a gorgeous girl. Very smart. Sorry. Dan, so, go ahead. Anyway, I don't remember where I was. Yeah, so we're just going to stop this now. Slip and, in the poops. Slip in the poops. <laughs> <laughs> This is what happens when you delete a record. Yeah, you get really tired. Yeah. Rose is going to be editing this motherfucker for 10 hours. I can tell you right now. All right. Anyway, so everyone knew that Jane was unstable. Much like Lynn. <laughs> I resent. I resemble that remark. <laughs> yes, you do. So she had left some messages on his phone that were a little irrational. I've never done that before. <laughs> Lynn wouldn't know anything about this ever, but she would be like, "This is, this is, um, crazy Janie calling," <laughs> and she would like just crazy, like I don't say yeah. crazy, but just kind of irrational. You have a friend like Rose to send it to a person. Say, should I send this? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. 
and say, no, bitch, you're crazy. So they were also at a party once that she had a little too much wine and she started talking to everyone at the party about how, how Tom liked to dress up in kinky dress oh, no. in the bedroom. So, of course, he got pissed, you know, of course. and he, he apologized to everyone and they left, but it was still like super embarrassing. For oh, him. yeah. So she finally started to realize that Tom was probably not going to propose when she found emails between him and an American woman on his computer. Fucking American women. They're such bitches. They really are. Yeah, whores. And she, I, I think he was kind of leading her on. Like, you know, I mean, we've all been in those relationships where we kind of, like, lead the person on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God, Rose, I feel sorry for your husband. That's on. No. I mean, he knows what's happening. He, he knows you're going to dump him in. <laughs> He's accepted it. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly. Have you never been in a relationship? No, I've never. Oh. I, like, I have always, like, as soon as I start feeling that withdrawal or whatever, I usually am out. Really? Yeah. Like, prime example, when I was dating ugh, that old man guy, the weird one. And <laughs> which one? Which one? That's for anxiety the K. Okay. Yeah. The one that first name began with a K. And I was like, I'm just not feeling it anymore. Yeah. I, didn't let it, I did not let that go on for more. Yeah. Time. I was like, okay, I'm done. I've never, I've just always done it in a, I mean, it was when I was like a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I've really never done that. I've always yeah. been very, I can't fake it. Yeah. I can't do it. I used to lead guys on all the time when I was a teenager. You get what you want and then kick him to the curb. You were such a... Yeah. Well, it was more like the attention, I guess. And I probably had a lot of issues with... Well, you wanted attention, for sure. And I needed therapy. <laughs> but also, too, they probably got you beer and drugs and stuff like that. That was that was pretty... Yeah, special. I'm sure, yeah. I did yeah. that, too, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I never like I've never been able to carry on a relationship with somebody and not But you know, there's always that nice guy like who's like willing to do anything for you. No, I've definitely had guys like that and then yeah. once I've And you kind of use them. No, I definitely have had guys like that and once I realize, wait, they have feelings and I usually end up yeah. away. I can't I didn't when I was young. I like and it, and I'm I mean since I was like you know, a teenager, yeah, see, literally think, a yeah. teenager. I haven't done that. I was dating a bird man when I was a yeah. teenager, so I didn't matter. It was so gross. But anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so was I, but that's another yeah. story. So, so in September of 2000, Jane went on a trip to Italy with Tom to his family's villa in on the French Riviera. Oh, my God. Which sounds very fancy. I really always wanted to go anywhere yeah, <laughs> other than Virginia Charlottesville <laughs> and Virginia Beach. Next girl strip are going to New Orleans, okay. whether these bitches want to or not. Mm-hmm. So Jane thought that this might be it. She was like, okay, he's going to propose on this trip. Like, this is it. Like, he's taking me here because he's going to propose. Unfortunately, on that trip, Tom told her... That he had never planned to marry her. Oh, good grief. Takes her to the 
French Riviera. French Riviera. I was going to say South of France. Is that the same thing? I don't, think I don't know. know. Yeah, whatever. So when they returned to London, there was a ginormous fight. And at 11.35 a.m., Tom called the police because he thought someone was going to get hurt. And that's what he told the, the police. But the police told him, stay calm, Tom. Stay calm. Just Tom. stay calm, Tom. Yeah. And they didn't send anyone out. Even though he called them, like, things are getting crazy. Yes. Things are getting crazy. Please. He did what he was supposed to do. So that night after Tom went to sleep, Jane stripped naked to avoid staining her clothes with blood and stood at the bedside clutching a knife and his cricket bat. She smashed him across the head with the bat and then stabbed him in the chest. As he lay dying, she returned to the room pulled out the knife, and stabbed him in the chest again to finish him off. Hold on, Rose. Did she think he was going to ask her to marry him after this? No, she was just mad he didn't. So she was like, if you don't ask me to marry you, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) She then cleaned herself up and called her ex-husband, Christopher, and then sent out a bunch of texts to her friends asking them, well, telling them, like, I don't know where... Tom is. If you hear anything from him, let me know. He's missing. You know, like oh, he's missing know. a lung. Yeah, I don't he's know what's. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So once police discovered Tom's body, they went looking for Jane and found her overdosed in a car in Cornwall. She claimed to not be involved in his death and said that he was being blackmailed. Did they ask where her clothes were? Well, she was dressed. But <laughs> you didn't say that. You didn't say she got. I dressed did. I said she cleaned her? up. She then she cleaned dressed? herself up. She then cleaned herself up. That means she she cleaned herself up. She cleaned her the blood off her body, but it doesn't say she got dressed. Right. She washed herself and got dressed. Lynn. It doesn't say she got dressed. Jesus Christ. Rewind. It says nothing about getting dressed. I thought she was naked in the car. Well, you're wrong. I'm gonna find a new podcast partner. She claimed to not be involved in his death and said that he was being blackmailed. She once again survived her suicide attempt, and after a police interrogation, Jane was arrested for murder. Murder. So in May of 2001, eight months after she murdered Tom, which seems very quick, doesn't it, for a murder? Yeah. But it's not the United States. So. Yeah, that's true. It would be yeah. like eight years after. Yeah. One of those so eight months after she murdered Tom, Jan went to trial. Jan? <laughs> Her name is Jane. Jane. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Obviously, y'all can tell it's like way past the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, we're cutting into my Jamie time right now. I know. Go ahead. So Jane went to trial. Prosecutor said that she was a scorned woman and killed him because he refused to marry her. Uh-huh. No fury like a woman scorned. That's right. But Jane testified that Tom had been abusive during their relationship. Oh. There was an incident where she had broken her arm while dancing, and she said it was actually because Tom had pushed her. Jane. I know, Jane. Did that really happen? I I I don't believe women that say this stuff, but I don't know if I believe you today. Yeah. I think Jane was a little, had some issues. She said that the night of his death, they were fighting, and he started hitting her and saying that she had ruined him. And he was going to kill her. She said, I just froze. He got a hold of my hair and was trying to hit me. I picked up in the knife because I didn't want him to anywhere near me. We came together and the next thing I knew, he was on top of me. 
It must have gone into him. I crawled from underneath him and ran out of the room. But her story obviously didn't match what had actually happened to him because he had been hit with a cricket bat and stabbed twice. And she's yeah. saying he was accidentally stabbed once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She also testified that she had been abused as a child, which I completely believe because mm-hmm. of yeah, her issues. Her, yeah. yeah, right. So, unfortunately for her, after 12 hours of deliberation, she was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. I wonder what prison's like, prison's like over there. I don't know. Probably better than here. Why don't you go and let me know? Okay. I'll go kill someone over there. Let you know. Eight years later, in November of... You said you want to travel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Eight years later, in November of 2009, Jane escaped from prison. Damn right, bitch. Go. She was captured three days later in a hotel room just six miles from the prison. Right. Like, sleep in the woods and shit. You can't be in the... First of all, yeah. That and six miles from the prison, like... You you run you had three days. Before, yeah, you run for 20 miles before you... Minimally before you stop. Yeah. I mean, you got to train for that. So, Jordan Truth would have been like, so Jordan Truth would have laughed at her, right? Even like, bitch, you're stupid. Harriet Tubman would have been like, what the fuck are you doing, Jane? I've taken this trip seven times. With yeah, <laughs> right. And you're like crying over six months, and you're in the six miles. They they went like ninety miles in three days. Yeah. Harriet Tubman's like, cry me a river. Bitch. Yeah, I'm gonna cut your throat if you mean that. She did not receive any charges for the escape and was still eligible eligible for early early release early release in 2012. What? How was she not charged with the what? That usually like doubles your sentence. Right. I don't know if it was like I don't know. That sounds kinda, I don't know. Sounds sounds crazy. to me rules. So many members of Tom's family showed up for her parole hearing to give statements, including his brother and sister. His sister stated, we find it hard to see how social ex- experts can suggest that she is rehabilitated when she has shown no remorse. We question her stability of character, but are hopeful that there is a way for her to find that remorse and perhaps eventually rejoin society. As far as I know, she's not being moved to an open prison. Hmm. So she was denied parole at in 2012. Okay. But in 2015, she was released on license, which means that she is technically still serving a prison sentence, but she can live in the community instead of being in prison. So it's like house arrest kind of thing, but she can go out and about. Yeah. So like house like, it's like being on a parole, I guess, kind of. Yeah, I guess so. But like you're just able to like walk through the community yeah, with them. So yeah, I guess so. In 2018, she was sent back to prison because she was accused of harassing a married man. (laughs) She spent one year in prison and then was released on bail. She then changed her name and has managed to stay out of trouble. We don't know her new name. We don't know her new name. She's still alive. I have seen some, yeah, and I've seen some pictures of her, but I kind of feel like if someone is trying to, like, be good and do good like you yeah you don't you don't want to mess with them yeah right? you're doing harass they're harassing them to, they're rehabilitated and they're trying to make a life yeah for themselves, you know? so i didn't like search further for her new name or anything because i don't want to well that's with 
um, Sally McNeil from last week. She definitely is still alive and has a new life, but she still goes by McNeil, even though she's remarried, she still goes by the same name. Oh, does she really? I mean, as far as I can tell. And you can find her on social media and stuff. Absolutely. But I'm not going to tag her in that stuff because I just don't. Oh, no. Yeah. I feel like it's. I feel like if she wants to see it, she can yeah. Google her own name. I just don't, I don't want to. I did tag her in our, on our um, website thing. On the website, you like added her or hashtagged her? Hashtagged her. Oh, I hashtagged her Is too. That okay? Absolutely. Okay. Right? Tag her, tag her. Okay. Like, cause she definitely has a Facebook page. But I don't I just, know like, the difference. <laughs> I just don't want, I, I don't want people going like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hashtagging her is one thing. I yeah. feel like that's kind of, especially since she's kept that name. I feel like she's almost. In my opinion, I could be totally wrong, and my kids will tell me if I'm wrong, if they listen. Um, that I feel like she's entertaining that, keeping that name. But I don't, yeah, I wouldn't add her because I feel like it's, yeah, a lack of respect. No, I agree. And they might not like how we told their story, even though we try to be respectful. Yeah, and I think we are. Yeah, but they might not want to hear it. That. You know, I mean, there's a lot of trauma there that we don't know about. No, that's true. That's very true. So I don't know. But this has been a super fun recording. Oh, my God. It's been amazing. It's been, it's been amazing. So I want you guys, if you are, I mean, I feel like if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably not sitting in a room with anybody else. But you may be because you may not like the person you're sitting in a room with. And if that's the case, grab their phone. Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and like or grab your own phone and go to well, of course we know that you've already done it on your own phone but if you um have then grab their phone when you go visit your parents when you go visit a friend be like hey let me see your phone real quick oh yeah oh yeah like our podcast <laughs> share subscribe them so they get notifications every time we um release a new episode because we need the followers we're trying to get some um we're trying to get some sponsors now so if any of you guys own a business and want to sponsor us, we're pretty cheap. You get a fire sale right now if you hire us. Fire your company. <laughs> and um, yes, we will bring droids of people to you because you know everybody loves us. And um, you can find us on No Ordinary Women Pod on Instagram. Facebook. Facebook. And the Tikatoka. And then on Twitter, it's No Ord, O-R-D, Women Pod. And I have posted on all of our all of our social media today. Every single one of those mother freakers. You like that? I didn't care. Yeah. Very good. Um, so please like our please like and share our posts because um because if we get lots of sponsors and likes and stuff like that, then we can start doing Patreon and doing special episodes and videos for you guys yeah. of Rose's feet. Yeah, you can see my feet. <laughs> <laughs> well we just lost all our business there we go <laughs> but until next week bye so long farewell bye